Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. It is not often that an opening act can steal the show. Welcome to TC Live at the U.S. Open, presented by Evian. In the city that built Broadway, a long-running hit continues to dazzle. Center stage is once again center court, and there will be another curtain call at the U.S. Open. So what's in store on day two, where the other half of the draw is no understudy, but a study in further greatness? Spanish teenager Carlos Alcaraz looks for his first major title in New York, plus two-time champ Venus Williams in action, and the night session features 22-time Grand Slam winner Rafa Nadal, followed by Naomi Osaka and Danielle Collins. Welcome in, TC Live, your two-hour pregame show to get you ready for first ball at the U.S. Open every morning. Steve Weissman back with Canadian superstar Jeannie Bouchard from 60 Minutes, John Wertheim, and legendary coach Paul Anacone. Legend, speaking of let Serena, Serena, Serena. There would be no farewell for Serena. Just a fair warning to everyone else in the draw. The queen still rules, Jeannie. What did you think of her performance? I don't even know where to start, Steve. That was unbelievable. The atmosphere was something like I've never seen before in a tennis match. It felt like a boxing match, uh, the way she, she walked out on the court. We had the video introductions. I think we can all relax because she won a match. I think this is a great uh, success story for her, no matter what happens from here on out. And she played, she played well. She's played the best she's played in, in recent years. So why is she retiring? <laughs> it's a great question. She, she's staying vague on that, John. And rightfully so, because uh, she did a pretty convincing Serena Williams impersonation, I thought. And uh, she's actually back already on site, we hear today. So she is, look at this. She's, this is, uh, what, what are we, 12 hours less than uh, she got out of the complex. She's back. That tells you something, too, where her head is, that she had this, this very nice ceremony, but... I think she suspects if everything breaks right, she can win this tournament. And this is further uh, suggestion she's not here just for a victory lap. Absolutely not. It's amazing to watch stuff like that, right? Because you think about the tennis match, but it was more about the event, you know, the night, all, all, all the people there. And, uh, you know, it was just fun to watch. The entire experience, and here is how it went down. Serena Williams taking care of business against Danka Kovinic. She took the first set, had some serving dominance throughout, and was able to finish it off. Yeah, she started a little shaky at the beginning of the first set. I think there were a lot of nerves in there, understandably so. A couple double faults, movement looking a little tight, but she played herself through this match, and she her movement really improved towards the second set. Her serve, uh, never affected by her movement, of course, her biggest weapon. Uh, got to do this match in the crowd, of course, supporting her like crazy, like I've never heard before. And there would be a big ceremony that would follow this win. Serena Williams, 21-0 in the first round of the U.S. Open. I think uh, when you're passionate about something and you love something so much, it's, um, it's always hard to like walk away. Sometimes I think it's harder to walk away than to not. 
um, and that's been the case for me. And so I've been trying to decide for a little while what to do. But you clearly still love this game. I it's do. Part of your DNA, yeah. Yeah, I do. Also, I love it because it keeps you fit, you know? So that's, yeah. that's a bonus. <laughs> um, but I was just like, all right, well, I think now's the time. Um, you know, I just have a family and, you know, have, you know, and so it's Hello, just family. Like, there's other chapters in life and, you know, I, I call it an evolution, you know. I, just, I know, I know, Serena, you yeah. said do not use the R word. Look at Olympia. The ceremony after, two kings to honor a queen. We had Billie Jean King, we had Gail King, and then we had a narration by Oprah. I mean, it was fantastic, Paul. When's the last time you saw Serena play that well? well? Just to see her kind of that excited to be out there. Look, look, superstars rise to big occasions, you know, just like me leaving my microphone off when I'm trying to talk. They rise <laughs> to big occasions. And uh, to see that last night for Serena really didn't surprise me because there was so much electricity, electricity. There's so much expectation. You know, Jeannie talked about seeing her play the best in a while, and, and it was. So I think she's going to play better and better if she can stay around. And if it gets close... I'm pretty sure no one wants yeah. to be on the other side of the net against her with that crowd. Yeah, I totally agree. I was uh, impressed with her movement that I thought was so different even from a few weeks ago in Cincinnati or in Toronto. So for her to really get herself going like that is, uh, is great for all of us fans of hers. I think most importantly, though, her outfit stole the show tonight. <laughs> yes, exactly. the cape. Like she was in glitters and diamonds from head to toe, real diamonds on her shoes. I'm obsessed with that. And her daughter, Olympia, was an adorable mini-me matching dress uh, with the braids from Serena that she wore back in the day. So... It was uh, it was a show from start to finish, and honestly, that's the only way Serena would do it. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's talk one match prior and one match forward. So in her previous match, Serena lost six love. I mean, she lost a bagel set to Emma Raducanu, so I think there was a bit of relief last night that, like, not only did she go out with a win, but this, this is respectable. This, this is not a six-love set to end your career on. And then I think spinning it forward... She's got the number two seed next, and that's Contavit, who has not played worthy of the number two. Now I think sort of the, the minds get spinning, and we're, we're a long way from Serena winning number 24 here, which would be the ultimate storybook. But I think now we can say, okay, she got past that first night. What can she do, and can she do some real damage in this tournament? I think the answer is yes. Superheroes wear capes. We will tell you just how many diamonds were on her shoes later on TC Live. A lot more Serena Williams talk on the show, plus a good start for Americans in the Big Apple. Our man, or as he would say, your boy, Prakash Worldwide, back producing more content. And our guest is Victoria Azarenka, who joins us before her first-round match against Ashlyn Kruger today. Next up, all the highlights and reaction from a wild day one at the U.S. Open including an All-American upset. TC Live at the U.S. Open is presented by Evian, proud sponsor of the U.S. Open. Jeannie, John, Paul, and Steve back on TC Live, presented by Evian. A reminder to download the U.S. Open app to follow your favorite players, track the latest scores, stats, match highlights, player news, and much more. Available in the App Store and Google Play Store. Back to the action from day one. Daniil Medvedev looking to end the longest drought without a men's title defense of any Grand Slam tournament in the open era, Genie. Taking on Stefan Kozlov. 
Well, he's not thinking about that, Steve, because he's come into this U.S. Open saying he's not feeling the pressure of defending uh, and has no idea what to expect, what's going to happen. And we could see that in his easy straight set win yesterday. He was moving really well all over the court. You see that offense to defense to offense coming up. That looked like that hurt for Kozlov. <laughs> um, he was just hitting freely and uh, looked so comfortable out there. Match point here, even serve and volleying. So that's when you know someone's confident. So that managed to be pretty solid, and I thought the serve was key. Gets Arthur Rinderknesh next. 37 winners for your top seed, Daniil Medvedev. The last match on grandstand was top-ranked American Taylor Fritz playing his old junior doubles partner, Brandon Holt, the former USC All-American, making his Grand Slam main draw debut, Paul. Taylor did a nice job in the first set. Brandon served for the first set. Little bit of nerves, but give Brandon Holt some credit. After the first set, not a hiccup. Did a nice job winning that tie break really decisively. Controlled the rallies from the back of the court. Little volley here at 5-3 in the third. Good approach, nice technique. Mom would be proud of the approach and volley, even though Tracy didn't like to do that that much, but she didn't have to. But Brandon, just a great job for him to be composed, to stay in the moment. And this this is what's great about tennis. We talk about narrow margins. Brandon Holt, 300 in the world. Taylor, 13. These guys grew up together, know each other so well. There's no secrets. I think Brandon did a terrific job in the moment. And Taylor was just a little bit below par. And some of that was because of this man right here. But it's so difficult to put uh, words with actions. And for these two good friends, it was a great day uh, to have a battle, but especially for that young man. And how about this at the end, guys? Mm. A picture says three words. Sports are <laughs> incredible. How about a happy mama? Hall of Famer Tracy Austin embracing her son, Brandon. First major win is a top 15 win. The whole family was there. Dylan was there. Sean was there. Scott was there. They had girlfriends and cousins, and a beautiful scene for Brandon Holt getting his first win there over Taylor Fritz and, and a disappointing result for the top-ranked American, Jeannie. Yeah, that's right, Steve. It was actually sad to see after in the press conference, Taylor was saying that he felt like an idiot because he thought he could win this tournament. He thought he could win the U.S. Open, so he said he feels awful and his performance was just not good enough. I can't imagine a less optimal opponent for, for Taylor Fritz, who not only you're, you're playing a qualifier with nothing to lose, but there's the emotional angle. I mean, everyone picked up on, on Tracy's storyline. They said, wait a second, these guys essentially grew up together. That's a disappointing result. And he seems like enough of a realist. I mean, Paul, you know this. But he seemed to accept that this was far below his standard. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, we talk about the cliches about narrow margins. I was with Taylor the last day of qualies, and he said, Brandon's going to qualify, and I'm going to play him first round. And, and, he um, did not say that. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Wow. And, and, wow. and look, it's, it's an advantage and a disadvantage when you know somebody so well. And, and I think it's a little bit uh, difficult when you're supposed to win and you have more to lose and obviously less to gain. But that doesn't matter because you have to play. And Taylor tried to problem solve, did a nice job the first set. But I was really, really impressed with Brandon's ability. After losing a first set, he should have won. Didn't go anywhere. He just right. thawed his way through the match, figured out how to get an offense, and did a great job. Look, this is why, like you said, Steve, sports and tennis are amazing. I mean, anything can happen. And for Taylor, he's going to be heartbroken. But look, this is one of a lot of tournaments. He's just got to rebound and go on from here. And for Brandon Holt, just keep winning. 
got through the qualies, and here he goes, wins his first match. Good for him. What else did you pick up? Was was Taylor okay physically? I mean, this is yeah. a, you know his his last major. He takes Rafa Nadal to five sets at Wimbledon. So this is this is a, a bit of a different. Result. Yeah, I mean, for me, as I'm watching the match, and I'm I'm sitting, I was sitting down with my neighbors, my friends last night, and I was just trying to explain to them. This is why you talk about narrow margins. It's really five to seven percent tentativeness. Okay, for someone that's ranked 13 in the world. And the other player who's ranked 300, it's just two numbers, but they're relaxed, they're confident, and it's 5 to 7% of them playing well, and all of a sudden you're in a war. That's right. all it takes. Right. And we've seen it before. I've been part of it. And that's why sports are so great. You have to figure out how to manage that stuff. But I think they both did a great job. Taylor competed incredibly well. Didn't play that well, but competed well. And like I said, just tip of the cap to Brandon. Mm -hmm. Great mm -hmm. job to just think your way through a situation like that. Both 24 years old, Brandon said after. The, the Taylor's been an inspiration to him and so kind to him while he's been struggling with his injury past uh, eight months to a year. Brandon Holt moving on over Taylor Fritz as we move on. The Australian Open doubles champs playing each other for the first time. Nick Kyrgios, Tanasi Kokonakis. This followed Serena Williams on Arthur Ashe, John, and the summer of Nick just keeps rolling. Yeah, this is in keeping with our theme of potentially awkward relationship matches. These are doubles. This is the eight-seeded doubles team, and now they're on opposite sides in that this could have been so complicated it's after Serena it's a day of upsets it's late at night and Nick Curious just played well when he had to served well though we actually had one fewer ace look at this some nice work at the net this is in a third set about two hours in to keep in mind this match didn't start till after 9 p.m. but Nick did what he had to do look at this really subdued in victory I suspect that's because of the opponent but very nice first round for Nick Curious 200th win of his career now 23 wins since June that's the most on the ATP. How about Caroline Garcia? Most wins since June on the WTA. A couple titles. One Cincy as a qualifier. Jeannie just kept it rolling. Yes, Caroline Garcia plays her best when she's playing aggressive. So you see here the swing volley. She's moving forward, going to the net, finishing the points off. She's actually very comfortable with the net. She won French Open doubles earlier this year with her French compatriot, Mladenovic. So there you see her moving forward again. And, you know, I've played her a few times, and when she hangs back is when she does less well. But when she's in the blue of the court and controlling, she has powerful strokes, and she can just um, control the point. 15-20 at the net in this match. Nine straight wins for Caroline Garcia. She's won 26 for past 30. Give it to us. There we get the airplane. Fly with Caro. That's right. Fly with Caro. How about Coco Golf? She had a long day on Arthur Ashe, but not a long match, Paul. Took care of business in 80 minutes against Leolia Jean-Jean of France. I'm so buttoned up, Steve. To me, it's always impressive to watch. We forget how young these players are. Teenagers still, the 12th seed. Coco's done so much so quickly. If you wonder what's going to happen on a big stage, well, what happens is she's embracing it more and more every time. A little feel on the forehand topspin lob there. The crowd's behind her. A lot of composure, but one of the things that I love most about Coco Goff is her ability to adapt, her ability to defend, and her ability to think through things under pressure. You don't see players that can do that very often, especially teenagers. And yesterday, she did a wonderful job. A lot of expectation on Coco Goff. She continues to get better. And this is just one step towards her ultimate goal. She wants to be here on the last day, just like she was at Roland Garros. And if she keeps playing like this, she's going to give herself opportunities, whether it's at this major or the next one. It's going to happen. It's not uh, if. It's just a win for this wonderful player. 34 winners for Coco. Won 17 points to the net. And she knows it's her first win on Arthur Ashe.
I was definitely nervous, but I think having those experiences, and I, I literally told myself last night, or maybe, I don't remember, last night, yeah, or this morning, I said, you know, I'm just going to go out there and have fun and enjoy the moment. It is nice to break the barrier, and I really didn't think about it until after the match was over, and then I walked out into the crowd, and I was like, wait, I haven't done this before. Um, so that's why I told I was like my first win on Ash. <laughs> And then she stayed to watch Serena play at night because, quote, eight-year-old me would want to stay and see this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Still to come, much more highlights, previews. Day one was a massive celebration for some, but a huge disappointment for others. We'll tell you which title contenders are already heading home. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Annika and Bouchard, Wertheim and Weissman back on TC Live at the U.S. Open presented by Evian. Coverage of the U.S. Open begins every morning with our two-hour pregame show. ESPN carries the day session at noon and the night session at 7 p.m. Eastern. Some huge upsets on day one. I believe my good friend Jeannie Bouchard picked Simona Halep to win it all yesterday. Oh, Steve, you mentioned that. Wait, did that happen? Listen, she had won 19 of her past 22 matches. What happened against Daria Sneeger? I, I might be fired because I had such a <laughs> terrible pick. So if you guys don't see me here tomorrow, then you know why. Uh, to be honest, I had never heard of Sneeger before. <laughs> I had never heard of her, and she has a little bit of an unorthodox technique, her, especially her forehand. It's very flat, but she just hung in there, was hitting balls past Simona, and Simona was, was hanging back behind the baseline, and you know, I know that's her game to be obviously consistent, and but what I find when she does that too much is when opponents can kind of take more advantage during the point. And so, um, great win for, for this young girl. Qualifier from Ukraine, playing just her third tour-level match, gets her first ever win at a Grand Slam against Simona Halep. And that's wild. 30 unforced errors for Halep in that match. On the men's side, the four seed, Stefano Tsitsipas facing a qualifier. Daniel Galan of Columbia, Paul. Tsitsipas, most wins on tour this year, but Galan came out on fire. 11 straight. Jeannie, don't feel bad. Our fearless leader, Bob Wiley, picked Tsitsipas as a favorite. And the next thing we knew, Galan's up 11-0. And Bob Wiley now has a lot to answer to, just like Eugenie, with picks that did not work. So, anyway, we thought that Sitsi Pass, I thought that Sitsi Pass was going to come back after winning this third set. Did a nice job. He's a great competitor. And here in the fourth set, it's kept getting closer and closer. I thought Galan was going to get tight. It really got me a little nervous because I think he had seven or eight match points. Here we go. Here's the number nine. It took quite some time for Galan to get through, but for Sitsipas, an injury timeout, maybe a little bit. Let's hope it's not the elbow, JW, because that's what the problem was, but a great win for Galan. Did a great job, the Colombian, getting through in four sets. What a day of crazy matches. That, that was nuts. 11-0? Oh, uh, yeah, but which is crazier? Which would you... That's be, a great question. That one or Simona? Halle, Halle going down. 
Simone's, I think right? So too. Yeah. I think I, so. I agree. I mean, but she's always said she doesn't like New York and I, doesn't like the U.S. Open. She just doesn't feel comfortable there, and so I shouldn't have picked her in the first place. It's my, it's, it's <laughs> no, my mistake. It's okay. We all get, get some stuff wrong, You talked. Luckily, you talked to me about it because you took proprietary <laughs> ownership over it, so I said, okay, I won't pick Simone. I was then. so disappointed. You picked uh, <laughs> Rafa, too, right? Now Rafa has worried. to win his yeah, first Rafa's round today. Please. A, like, I want to go back to what you said. Is it not a bit of a tell to, to explain to the world how uncomfortable you are at a tournament? I mean, if I'm the opponent, I love hearing that. I, yeah, I wouldn't say that, even if that's how I felt it. I mean, aren't we taught, like, fake it till you make it? That's right. <laughs> don't, like, show your cards. So I, she just, I don't know why she would say that. I understand sometimes New York can be hectic and loud and long transportation rides to get to the site, and it, it takes a lot of your energy. But, um, you know, we yeah. all have to deal with that. Right. One lesson from last night. If you're going to lose 11 straight games, do it while Serena Williams is playing. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> will notice. Exactly. <laughs> he almost came back and won. Nine match points cool. it took. Rafa, your pick to win it all on the men's side starts today. Rinky Hichikata. He is a Aussie wild card. What do you expect to see from Nadal? Well, I'm expecting a win, first of all, but I'm going to look forward to see how his ab is doing. Um, we know he hasn't played many matches recently, so I think for top players, the first round can be the trickiest for them. Usually once they get into a tournament, they have that rhythm and uh, routine and, and they get used to winning. So uh, this might be his trickiest match of the event. Mm -hmm. So I'm uh, you know, crossing my fingers for my pick to stay alive. Yeah, the, the biggest thing I think is the injury, right? You know, you just don't know one match since Wimbledon. Um, Rafa's looked good in practice all last week. He's hitting the ball extremely well. He even said so, which he doesn't say very much because he said, I'm, I'm happy with the way I'm practicing. But it's about the injury and for him, I think, match rhythm. And like Jeannie said, if he can get his teeth into the tournament, be careful because slow courts, uh, ability to defend, and uh, if memory serves me correctly, he's won here before, so he knows four times, yeah, including uh, the last time he played. Right. Um, keep an eye on the serve speed; that's pretty good sign of if the abs bothering him. I just think we we don't talk about best of five versus best of three as much. That Borna Chorich played a terrific week of tennis in Cincinnati. He was really good for about an hour against Rafa. Best of five, you can withstand an hour of hot tennis from the opponent. I think Rafa wins as well, and. You know, are we, are we talking about this enough? I mean, he, he could have kind of sort of a grand slam. He hasn't lost in a major yet. <laughs> That's right. That'd be incredible. Mm -hmm. uh, listen, his younger compatriot, Carlos Alcaraz, could be the first teenager to win a major since Rafa Nadal did it back in the day. What kind of challenge does Sebastian Baez present? Well, Sebastian Baez is one of the best up-and-comers, right? He dominated on the Challenger Tour last year, but this is going to be a different animal today playing Alcaraz. I actually think this court speed might suit Alcaraz better than any of the other top mm, players no, because I, it's going to give him a little bit more time to create his power. He's a great mover, so he's going to be able to hit through the court anyway, not afraid to come forward. And Alcaraz splashed onto the scene here last year. So I, I would look out for Alcaraz having a big tournament. Um, Baez, I don't think, has enough weapons to make him uncomfortable. Right. Like you said, also, especially three out of five sets, John, that's a different thing. Baez could get hot for a little bit. I just don't see it over three to five sets. Bye bye is also a, a nice up and coming player. Not so much on the hard courts. Uh, his results have come almost exclusively on clay. And I think, you know, Alcaraz, he broke through here. He beat Tsitsipas uh, last year and really sort of had his U.S. Open breakthrough. I think he's got a real chance at this tournament. Carlito, 7 0, first round matches at majors. Perhaps the best match on paper today is Naomi Osaka taking on Danielle Collins. Who's got the edge in this one? 
it is the best match on paper because we have a multiple slam winner versus a slam finalist and all of those combined on hard courts. So we know these girls love the hard courts. I think there's going to be a lot of big hitting from both sides. We haven't seen Danielle Collins that much recently, so I'm not sure where her level is at. Uh, she's played great over the past year. Obviously, her ranking's very high up, but, um, you know, a question mark there. And I think Naomi can, can play herself into this tournament. And I think she's had some so-so results recently, but maybe it's time that she, you know, feels good and, and plays the tennis we know she's capable of. They played in Miami. 6-2-6-1 for Naomi Osaka. That's one of her best wins of the last 18 months or so. I, th I think you're right. I mean, I think on paper it's a great match. I think we don't know quite enough about the health of Danielle Collins. That's an X factor. Iga Sviantek, world number one. She is in action against Jasmine Paolini. 37-match win streak is, is a thing of the past. She's 4-4 four and four in her last eight matches. Does the dominance resume today? Well, Iga's my pick, so tomorrow maybe Jeannie will be able to give me a hard time. <laughs> um, but, I, look, I, I think this court speed is good for Iga. It's going to give her a little bit more time for those big, powerful ground strokes. I think she's become a little bit more vulnerable, as we've seen, but she was so hot early in the year. It's just so difficult to stay at that level. I think just a little bit of a reset button for her. Um, I'm not thinking that Paolini has enough to hurt her uh, over the whole match. Uh, I'm going to stand by my pick, and I'm yep. going to say Iga's going to get through this match today, and I think she's going to play better as the tournament goes on as well. I think you're right. And I think apart from the 37-match win streak, the two majors, she's become very reliable at majors as well. Um, you know, Wimbledon was third round, but before that, I mean, it had been years before she lost in the first week of a major. I think heavy favorite. I'm not sure the opponent has much to hurt her with. But Iga's an interesting case, though, because uh, – Going four and four after 37 matches without losing is uh, is pretty jarring transition. Wait, the one last thing I've got to add. Mm. We talked about uh, Simona not being happy in New York, right? Iga's not happy with the tennis balls, right? We talked yeah. about that. And these are the same balls as Cincinnati. You really don't want to go. I give that away. You, you, you don't want to go into a tournament feeling like that, do you, Jeannie? You need to coach them, John. You're, he's, you. He doesn't like Make it till you make it. Exactly. Um, I think Iga will, will do well. I think she'll do really well in this first-round match specifically. She's played great all year. I think calling her recent stretch a slump is a little bit harsh. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is four and four. Yeah. So, you know, she's won some matches, but everyone has those ups and downs. So I think she She's just still going to be on her game. Only once in the open era has the top seed lost first round at the U.S. Open. Kanepi over Halep. Good call. So that's why you don't, right. that's why you don't Very pick. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> We've got upset predictions coming up later on the show. TC Live at the U.S. Open presented by Evian. We'll be right back. TC Live at the U.S. Open is brought to you in part by Tennis Express. We deliver tennis right to your front door. Order today, ships today. A reminder, usopen.org is your online home for point-by-point -point live scoring, highlights, real-time stats, and draws. Visit the official tournament site at usopen.org. Steve Weissman back with you and among all the star power in the stands last night, the one who shined brightest was Serena, quite literally. Her shoes had 400 handset diamonds 
with solid gold lace tags. Serena, of course, is chasing history at the U.S. Open, but once it's over, Tennis Channel's Chase for the Championships brings you 12 weeks of action from more than 30 events. Don't miss live coverage from every ATP and WTA Tour stop, including the year-end finals Davis Cup and Billie Jean King Cup. It all begins Monday, September 12th. Now time for our daily Bloomberg Business Report. Time now for a special update for Tennis Channel. Berkshire Hathaway has sold 1.3 million shares of Chinese electric car maker BYD. That's according to a filing. The sale is less than 1% of Berkshire Hathaway's stake. BYD will continue to be Berkshire's eighth largest investment. Apple holds the largest weight in the portfolio. Elon Musk and Twitter have both subpoenaed a whistleblower. The former Twitter executive claims the social media platform's security against hackers had, quote, egregious deficiencies. This follows Musk trying to back out of a $44 billion deal to buy Twitter. The lawsuit to determine if the deal goes through will head to court in mid-October. In Europe, electricity prices are plunging from records as the EU plans to intervene in the energy crisis. This comes as Russia continues to squeeze gas deliveries to the region. The EU is ahead of its target to bolster gas reserves for the winter. From London, Anna Edwards with Bloomberg News. Thank you, Anna. Still to come on TC Live, two-time major champ Victoria Azarenka joins us before her first match. Find out which Americans moved on to round two. And Paul Anacone plays our match point predictor game. Don't go anywhere. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Paul, Jeannie, John, and Steve back on TC Live at the U.S. Open presented by Evian. It has been a year since Emirata Kanu went from little-known British qualifier to worldwide superstar. A tournament that started with a lost pair of AirPods ended with 20,000 fans screaming her name in surround sound. As John Wertheim reports, the first qualifier to win a Grand Slam now has major expectations. When Emirata Kanu won the 2021 U.S. Open, the question immediately surfaced, is this the most unlikely major champion ever? Now, a year later, the question is essentially unchanged. That is, is she the most unlikely defending champion ever? Let's pause before we go further and return to the summer of 2021. Age 18, Radikanu was a last-minute wildcard into Wimbledon, where she reached the middle weekend. Still, she was ranked so modestly that she had to qualify for the U.S. Open, and she did. From Great Britain, Emma Raducanu. Before going on to win seven main draw matches. At mock speed, she went from a prospect outside the top 100 to a major singles champion and a major celebrity. Last August, she was playing at a small event in Landisville, Pennsylvania. By September, she was at the Met Gala? And as a Canadian-born, British-raised daughter of a Chinese mother and a Romanian father, Radicanu became an emblem for globalization in Gen Z, and brands took note. By year's end, she was a face of Tiffany, Evian, Dior, 
British Airways. In keeping with the Cinderella story theme, you wouldn't say she's turned into a pumpkin, but you also wouldn't say Raducanu has stayed the belle of the ball. Since her star turn in Queens, she's lost more matches than she has won. She's won no more titles. She has not made the late stages of more majors. She has made multiple coaching changes, and she's been asked about it a lot. I think I've been asked this question in every press conference, but uh, I am 19 years old, and yes, I have had attention, but I'm a slam champion, so no one's going to take that away from me. Thanks largely to her triumph in New York, she cracked the top 10. And who knows, maybe she can summon the magic again. But if not, it might be a disguised blessing. Her ranking will drop, so will the pressure. She will go back to being a 19-year-old trying to climb the ranks, spackle holes in her game, build her stamina and strength. And she'll do it, not trying to prove her worthiness, but knowing she's already accomplished what so many others spend a career trying to achieve. Emma, 15 and 18 since winning the U.S. Open last year. But that bank account, eight digits and growing, that is a good thing, Jeannie. You were just saying during the piece, so annoying to keep getting those same questions over and over again. So what advice would you have for Emma to, to manage these expectations and deal with it? Yeah, she became a superstar basically overnight. It was such an incredible story last year coming through qualifying to win the U.S. Open at such a young age. So, you know, it, it's a complete change of lifestyle for her and all eyes are on her. And I can just imagine her. I, I made the finals of Wimbledon back in the day. And, um, you know, for a year after, I would just get asked in the press conference, like, oh, you lost this week. Like, when are you going to win again? Like, are you going to win a slam? Like, uh, you know, like... Don't you think your form has fallen? And it just made me feel bad about something good that I had accomplished. And so what I would say to her is just, like, don't forget what you've accomplished. And we saw in that clip, she said, I'm a slam champion and no one can take that away from me. Like, yes, damn right. Like, you deserve that. You, No one will take that away from you. And it doesn't mean you have to win 10 more. And obviously, you want to, and that's your goal. But, I mean, don't forget what you accomplished and don't let anyone make you feel bad about that. House money. Like, She's won. She's, exactly. she's set up for life financially. She has her major title. I, mean, I think there's, there's an element of balance where, look, I mean, brands are coming after you and they, they're writing big checks and you're able to say that. I want to ambush you with something, though. An early stat of the day because I want to make the point that she's playing awfully well at these big events. Is she won another major since last year. No, she has not. But at majors, she has yet to lose in the first round. She's 13-4 and four at her five majors, and I think we were almost talking about her in the past tense. Is she going to win another major? Who knows? But she's hanging in there, especially at the first rounds of these big tournaments. And I think the hardest thing, too, is expectation, right? And, and, and with the instantaneous access to all the news these days, when you do something great, you tend to only make news when you lose. And, and that's what we forget also about our great champions, the Serenas of the world and Venus and Roger Rafa Novak, is that you're supposed to win. And so when a youngster does it, like she did last year, 10 matches in a row, 
sure enough, the media is right on there, and everything about that is, are you going to sustain it? When are you going to gain? When are you going to... And, and it becomes very oppressive. So I think it's really important for us to remember that she's still a teenager. And Jeannie, like you said, no one can ever take that away from her. Mm -hmm. And she has a great foundation to build on. If she stays strong and just stays in her world about trying to get better, she's going to be just fine. But that word expectation, mm -hmm. that's a crusher. It's got plenty of time. It's all about, you know, letting those questions go in one ear, come out the other one. Jeannie, she's playing Ali Zay Cornet today, who's making her 63rd straight major main draw appearance. That's a new open era record, and you've played her before. How tough is this opponent? Yes, I've played Alize Cornet many times before, and let me tell you guys, you do not want to see her name in the draw because she is feisty, she's a competitor, she's tough, she's really good on all the surfaces, so I find that she doesn't... Uh, you know, have a huge weakness, and she just really tries to figure out how to win. You know, she'll she'll slice, she'll she'll grind, she'll try to be aggressive, she'll stay back, and um, most of all, she will just never give up. And so, you know, you have to like play every point until the end. So she has intimated that she doesn't know how much longer she'll play, but remember, she got to the quarters in Australia, so it's not just longevity and length. There's some quality in there as well. She is a very tough first opponent for anyone, especially a defending champ. And she's had a great season so far. Arguably one of her best seasons in yeah. what could be her last. Snapped Iga's 37-match winning streak. She's had a very nice year, Cornet. Absolutely. A lot more still to get to here on TC Live when we come back. Three-time U.S. Open finalist Victoria Azarenka starts her tournament today. But first, she'll join us to talk about a big project off-court. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Victoria Azarenka. Hi, I'm Victoria Azarenka, and this is season two of Think About It. I can't wait to start our conversation. Oh, I'm already freaking out. I'm a chubby Jewish guy that just wants to eat and, and just eat everything. I had that t-shirt. I know, no we game, all no did. <laughs> you know how many people can learn from that? Yeah. I can kick boys in the head. I'm getting points. Social media has done such strange things to journalism. In some ways, it's been great. It's kind of also come at the expense of dignity. The truth is that the, the outcome, the product doesn't matter. It's the, it's the process in, in doing it. This is what it's all about, right? It is out. It is real. It's the time for the creators. I'm going to cry because it is real. We have to always challenge ourselves. It's like, no, who am I today? Eager to see where you take it. On the outsider's outside, no judgment. Yes! <laughs> season two. I'm so excited. You can find season two of Think About It on Tennis Channel. Cannot wait for that. Steve and John back with you. And there she is. It is Victoria Azarenka joining us right under Arthur Ashe Stadium uh, this morning. About to play first round match at the U.S. Open, the two-time major champ. Great to see you, Vika. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a bit of an unusual uh, scene <laughs> to make the live interview, but... You know what dig digital world allow us to do those kind of things. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, listen, we'll get to the podcast in a minute. But first, how are you feeling heading into the U.S. Open this year? Well, as always, you know, a little bit nervous, excited, all those kinds of emotion. I feel like every player 
uh, going through before the big event, uh, the last big event of the season. So um, always excited, always a bit nervous. You know, you kind of uh, try not to play anything ahead in, in your own head. So I'm just trying to stay present, focus on my practices and, uh, you know, the warm up and then take it one step at a time. Keep going with that. Nice to see you, Vika. I, I'm interested in, in that same theme. You've been to the finals three times. You've won some extraordinary matches at the U.S. Open. You like New York. Fill in the blank. I mean, th this will be a good tournament if blank. What, what, are, your, what are your expectations? Well, you know, there is, I, I'm trying to stay away from the result expectation because I feel like that's something that always kind of slows me down because, um, you know, the objective is always the same. Objective is go uh, till the end. But I feel like when I shift my focus to the result, it kind of freezes me to uh, to be like play with the, with my instincts. I try to focus on something that I cannot control. And so I try to stay away from that. And I will say uh, blank would be to walk off the court happy no matter what. And I think that's kind of what, probably the hardest goals for me at this point. <laughs> I love that response. Great walk answer. walk off the court happy. I feel like that's, you know, what we're looking for in life. It's that type of, of insight that we're getting from your new podcast that is back for another season. Think about it. Our, our Tennis Channel colleague, Victoria that's Azarenka, right. you got Wertheim to wear a, a puffy vest on camera. <laughs> that, that's huge. What, what, what can we expect to see uh, on this season of the podcast? Well, you know, it's it's that um, type of work that um, I get the most vulnerable. I open up about myself. I feel like I, we always have a little bit of that shield through, you know, doing the interviews, doing the uh, the press conferences where uh, you don't really have that, you know, um, I feel like safe space to open up. And I've been able to create that with my podcast. I wanted to show, uh, you know, different sides uh, with John, um, you know, that relationship between media and the player, I think this is something that is not talked about enough and how we can improve that. You know, some people have great relationships, some have, you know, uh, bad experiences, which I had my fair of share as well. But you grow, you evolve. And I feel like those conversations help to bridge that gap of understanding. And I hope we, um, I hope people watch and, and maybe have a little bit of a different perspective and view on, um, my point of, of view and John as being, you know, a journalist and other guests who, who we talk about a lot of mental health, which been, you know, such a highlight of, of so many conversations about parenting, you know, just, just broadening, uh, my, uh, my world, but not necessarily, um, that I haven't done it before, but really sharing it more with the world. It's great. My, my testimonial, she really does her homework. Too. She really comes well prepared for these. I want to ask you a tennis question. Potentially in the second round, you could play a Ukrainian opponent, Marta Kostyuk. We had heard that you had offered to play in this Ukrainian benefit. Then we all got a press release saying that you weren't going to play it. Can you just set the record straight? What do you want people to know? What do you want people to know about your, your stance on this conflict? Well, my stance has been very consistent throughout um, throughout the, the whole time since, since, the, since the war uh, started. And it's a very unfortunate situation because the innocent people are hurting, innocent people are, are dying, and that's what it's all about. I felt that this event was to help 
uh, those in need, and I will always do my best um, that I can from any point of view to help uh, people. That that's what I've been doing the last six months. So the the record, I don't need to set the record straight. My actions speak for themselves, and uh, that's where I, I will leave it. I'm here to help people uh, the best as I can. A helper and trying to be happy. Vika, uh, our Tennis Channel family member, it is always a pleasure to catch up with you, and we wish you all the very best of luck this week and next week at the U.S. Open. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Victoria Azarenka joining us here on TC Live at the U.S. Open, presented by Evian. Much more still to come after this. Back on TC Live, about an hour away from first ball on day two. Everybody getting ready, including our Cadillac player arrival. That is the top-ranked American in the world, Jesse Pagula. Caroline Garcia coming off her big win yesterday, already back on site this morning. And the last American to win a title here, none other than Sloane Stephens. 2017 U.S. Open champion making her arrival on site. She is playing later today as well as we take a look at some of the big matches coming up on Arthur Ashe Stadium on day two. Carlos Alcaraz followed by two-time U.S. Open champion Venus Williams, four-time winner Rafa Nadal, and another two-time champ in Naomi Osaka. But everybody on the grounds in Flushing Meadows still buzzing over Serena Williams. The biggest story so far at the U.S. Open. We take you back to everything that went down last night. Ticket prices were averaging nearly $1,000 on the secondary market. 29000 plus in attendance. An opening night record there. You see Olympia matching outfits. Her skirt made of six layers to represent her six titles at the U.S. Open. She said she only wore two layers because it was too hot. Serena actually introduced as the greatest of all time. If that's not daunting enough, Donka Kovinich had lost her last 10 sets coming in. Back and forth early, Jeannie. Yes, Serena had a little bit of a slow start, uh, which I attribute to nerves, very understandably so. It was such a big spectacle to even open the match. Not usual to have a video of you playing before you walk out there. Um, so for her to, to handle that, she threw in a few double faults. Her movement was a little bit tight, a little bit slow at the beginning, but she played herself through this match. I think that very energetic crowd helped her through um, and her serve was besides a few double faults at the beginning was back to its usual huge weapon um, her serve is just I think the greatest shot in tennis of all time so uh, she can always rely on that she was able to close it out on her second set point call and carry that momentum using the crowd in set two yeah the crowd was just electric look at everyone just enjoying it so much and that freedom after winning the first set allowed Serena to be a little bit more aggressive. How about the big swinging volley behind Kovinich here? And Jeannie mentioned the serve. Her serve is just such a weapon. She gets out of so much trouble with it, frees her up so she can hit shots like that. And uh, the intensity has not waned at all. She may be winding down, but she wanted to win. She wants to keep going. She's one of the best competitors ever in any sport. And uh, she's amazing to watch. And to watch her get through some of the nerves early on was pretty special. Tough reflex volley there, but uh, I love how she got going in the second set. And again, big weapon serve up the tee, quick short pickup on the deep return, and how about a big two-hander down line to close out the game there. 
She was free-flowing in the second set with all of the power shots. And Jeannie, I think you're right. She started moving better as the match went on. The crowd loved it, and she seals it right here. And if memory serves, it got pretty loud. <laughs> yes, it did. 102 wins in Arthur Ashe Stadium, the most by any player since it opened in 1997. All the glitters is gold for the GOAT. Because I feel like I'm at a stage of my life where um, I'm not necessarily retiring. I'm just evolving from tennis. Um, and I do feel different. I think I was really emotional in Toronto and um, Cincinnati. And it was just, it was very difficult. And not saying it's not difficult now. It's extremely difficult still. Um, because I absolutely love being out there. And the more tournaments I play, I feel like the more I can belong out there. And that's a, that's a tough feeling to have. John, she was asked if this will be her last tournament. She said she's been vague about it and she's going to remain vague because you never know. What do you think? Keep them guessing. What is it? Don't we leave, leave them wanting more. Uh, it was funny because she talked about it at the end that she sort of had a little bit of a tell. And then she said also, but I don't speak for Venus. So right. uh, she sort of threw off our scent. No, I mean, I think we were all very impressed. Again, her previous set was six love defeat before this. She looked sharp. She moved well, as Jeannie said. She lost three of the first five games and then won 12 of the last 15. And again, if you were blind taste test, you would have said, oh, yeah, Serena Williams in the first round of a major. Yeah, what else is new? Um, that was an awfully good match for Serena Williams to get going on. How about the fact, Jeannie, that she has won at the U.S. Open a match in her teens, in her 20s, in her 30s, and now her 40s? I think that's so impressive, and not many players have done that. It just shows the longevity of her career. And, you know, I think sometimes in the past, people have given her and Venus sometimes a little bit of flack for taking some time away from tennis throughout their both very long careers. But I think that helps contribute to the longevity of it. And, you know, the fact that we still see her to here today is maybe because she stepped away, pursued some other interests at times during her career. And so I never thought that was a bad thing. And look, I mean, she's 40 years old and she's still playing. So I think we're all happy about it. That. Yeah, and the accomplishments speak for themselves, right? All the accolades that she's achieved and still the ambiguity, a little bit of vagueness tells you that the competitive fire is still there. I mean, she still wants to play. She still loves to compete. And from what I saw last night, you mentioned it, John, just a huge turnaround from just a couple weeks ago. The level is so different than what we saw in Cincinnati. So great players can do pretty special things, and we continue to see it from Serena. She is taking on the two seed. Annette Contivate next. One could argue... Serena's the favorite heading into that match. We shall see what happens with her win against Kovinic. She's from Montenegro. Serena has now defeated players from 49 different countries, making more history one match at a time. Back after this. Welcome back. Our Cadillac player arrivals. There's the former NCAA champ from UCLA, Mackie McDonald, coming in. There's the former Georgia Tech Yellow Jacket. We let him moonlight at the U.S. Open when he's not working for us here at Tennis Channel. One of our colleagues, the great Chris Eubanks, and taking a look at some Americans in action. On day two, another NCAA champ, Marcos Giron, more Bruins, taking on Francis Tiafo, John Isner, the Bulldog, Brooksby, the Baylor Bear, Jesse Pagula, Sloan Stevens, and Venus Williams, all in action. So, Paul, we've got, we've got 23 players that are playing our Evian Americans in Action segment that have collegiate ties. You're, you're a Tennessee volunteer. Chris Eubanks, able to come through qualifying. Huge performance. And, and today, 
He takes on Pedro Martinez. What do you expect to see from big banks? Well, look, he's a great power player, and, and we've seen Chris play for a number of years now. For me, I've watched him play and wonder why he hasn't done better sooner. Huge weapons um, can hurt you from anywhere on the court. I think he's really starting to understand his own game, and I, I think the college pathway helps a lot of players. Brandon Holt, look at what it's done yeah. for him. Daniel Collins, I mean, just a couple. John Isner. And I think Chris has done the same thing. He's starting to feel more comfortable at the top of the game. The court surface is a little bit slow. You would think that wouldn't be great for him. But it's not bad because it takes him a little bit time to produce his shots. And he's got tons of weapons so he can hit through it anyway. All right. Speaking of the college game, let's go straight to it. Two more college stars. Segway, segway. We've got the NCAA champ from Florida, Ben Shelton, recently announced he is a pro, taking on former Mississippi State star Nuno Borges John. Yeah, what a summer for Shelton in the Gator Orange shorts. He wins the NCAA title about 90 days ago. Has some nice wins. Beat Casper Root, a top five win in Cincinnati. Decides to go pro. Now here he is, wild card in the U.S. Open, playing another college player in Borges, who plays for Portugal. This was a bit back and forth match. It went more than four hours here. Shelton clawing his way back in. Good college tennis emotion right there. And he has a signature gesture in the fifth set. The veteran Borges, 25 years old, just a little bit too much, a narrow miss. That is a, a nice win and a nice paycheck for a guy who had to qualify to Borges. But Ben Shelton, again, keep an eye on him. 19 years old, lefty, a lot of game, and uh, he can't be too disappointed with that five-set defeat. Standing room only on court 10. I mean, that was, that was quite the match there. Some other scores. Tommy Paul, Seb Corda will play each other next. Corda leads 3-0 head-to-head. Wildcards J.J. Wolf and Emilio Nava both win. Nava gets Andy Murray next. For the women, we had former finalist Madison Keys entering the U.S. Open. 24 main draw match wins this year. Her most in a single season since 2019, Jeannie, would add to that against Diana Yastrzemska. Yes, we've got two hard hitters here. They are both going back and forth a lot in the first set. Madison was actually down 4-1. So really a tough first set from both players. Great for her to pull it out. And then in the second set, just kind of steamrolled a little more with uh, you know, the, the play we know that she can, she can play. Um, she did say the courts, she thought they were fast, yeah. which I think... For me personally, I thought they were slow, and most players uh, were saying how they were slow. Maybe it's different from court to court, or maybe we're all wrong and Max is right. <laughs> or maybe she's tricking herself and, and believing, right, because she likes the court. Or she's trying to throw off her opponents. Maybe. <laughs> um, so you make it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but every, every player uh, feels things differently out there. So, um, but great to see her pull through. Ali Risk getting a straight set win. How about 32 years after Hannah Mandlikova won the U.S. Open? Her daughter, Ellie, Ellie Mandlik, won her Grand Slam nice. debut. It's not just Tracy Austin, who is uh, a former champion with successful offspring. Keep an eye on Elizabeth Mandlik. That is right. When we return, it is the man, the myth, the legend, Prakash Worldwide. His daily report behind the scenes in NYC. Welcome back to TC Live. A reminder to enter the match point predictor game from Tennis Channel. Answer questions about the action in Flushing Meadows and earn a shot to win the grand prize trip to next year's U.S. Open. To sign up, go to tennis.com slash play. These are the questions you will be answering. Who will be the men's champion? Who will be the women's champions? Big upsets on day one. Which former women's champ will advance the furthest? What round will Serena Williams reach? We asked Jeannie Bouchard that question yesterday. 
Paul Anico, and I've got a question for you. It's number three. Which American man will advance the furthest? Well, I'm going to go with a little old-school John Isner. Ooh, I like it. Yeah, I think John's playing some good tennis, played well in Cincinnati. His serve is so tough. And also, the courts are a little bit slower, so you think, why John? Because the serve's going to get up nice and high, going to give him a little bit more time to swing. Looking for a good tournament for John. Going for big John Isner. Looking to become the first American man to win a major since Andy Roddick 19 years ago at the U.S. Open. Serena Williams has won 17 of her own since then, carrying the hopes of a nation and providing hope for a new generation that includes Naomi Osaka. That's probably the tournament where... I've watched her the most, I think. And uh, honestly, I, I watched Serena a lot when I was younger for her outfits. I remember the match I played against her, her black tutu. I thought that that was really cool. Just over the years, she's kind of conditioned me to watch her first match to see what she was wearing. I think it's amazing that she has so many really good memories there. And I'm sure um, even for the people watching this tournament, um, we're, we're gonna cry a lot for sure. Naomi was in the stands last night watching Serena, and we will be celebrating Serena all tournament long with our Tennis Honor Series. Coming up next, we set you up with the top storylines of the 2022 U.S. Open. Jeannie, John, Paul, and Steve back on TC Live, presented by Evian. A reminder to download the U.S. Open app to follow your favorite players, track the latest scores, stats, match highlights, player news, and much more available in the App Store and Google Play Store. Back to the action from day one. Daniil Medvedev looking to end the longest drought without a men's title defense of any Grand Slam tournament in the open era, Genie. Taking on Stefan Kozlov. Well, he's not thinking about that, Steve, because he's coming to this U.S. Open saying he's not feeling the pressure of defending uh, and has no idea what to expect, what's going to happen. And we could see that in his easy straight set win yesterday. He was moving really well all over the court. You see that offense to defense to offense coming up. That looked like that hurt for Kozlov. <laughs> um, he was just hitting freely and uh, looked so comfortable out there. Match point here, even serve and volleying. So that's when you know someone's confident. So that managed to be pretty solid, and I thought the serve was key. Gets Arthur Rinderknecht next. 37 winners for your top seed, Daniil Medvedev. The last match on grandstand was top-ranked American Taylor Fritz playing his old junior doubles partner, Brandon Holt, the former USC All-American, making his Grand Slam main draw debut, Paul. Taylor did a nice job in the first set. Brandon served for the first set. Little bit of nerves, but give Brandon Holt some credit. After the first set, not a hiccup. Did a nice job winning that tie break really decisively. Controlled the rallies from the back of the court. Little volley here at 5-3 in the third. Good approach, nice technique. Mom would be proud of the approach and volley, even though Tracy didn't like to do that that much, but she didn't have to. But Brandon, just a great job for him to be composed, to stay in the moment. And this is is what's great about tennis. We talk about narrow margins. Brendan Holt, 300 in the world. Taylor, 13. These guys grew up together, know each other so well. There's no secrets. I think Brandon did a terrific job in the moment. And Taylor was just a little bit below par. And some of that was because of this man right here. But it's so difficult to put uh, words with actions. And for these two good friends, it was a great day uh, to have a battle, but especially for that young man. And how about this at the end, guys. Mm. 
The picture says three words. Sports are incredible. How about a happy mama? Hall of Famer Tracy Austin embracing her son, Brandon. First major win is a top 15 win. The whole family was there. Dylan was there. Sean was there. Scott was there. They had girlfriends and cousins. and A beautiful scene for Brandon Holt getting his first win there over Taylor Fritz and a disappointing result for the top-ranked American, Jeannie. Yeah, that's right, Steve. It was actually sad to see after in the press conference, Taylor was saying that he felt like an idiot because he thought he could win this tournament. He thought he could win the U.S. Open. So he said he feels awful and his performance was just not good enough. I can't imagine a less optimal opponent for, for Taylor Fritz, who not only you're, you're playing a qualifier with nothing to lose, but there's the emotional angle. I mean, everyone picked up on, on Tracy's storyline. They said, wait a second, these guys essentially grew up together. That's a disappointing result, and he seems like enough of a realist. I mean, Paul, you know this, but he seemed to accept that this was far below his standard. Yeah, I mean, look, it's we talk about the cliches about narrow margins. I was with Taylor the last day of qualies, and he said, Brandon's going to qualify, and I'm going to play him first round. And, and, he um, did not say that. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Wow. And, and, wow. and look, it's, it's an advantage and a disadvantage when you know somebody so well, and, and I think it's a little bit uh, difficult when you're supposed to win and you have more to lose and obviously less to gain, but that doesn't matter because you have to play, and Taylor tried to problem-solve, did a nice job the first set, but I was really, really impressed with Brandon's ability after losing a first set he should have won, didn't go anywhere. He just right. thawed his way through the match, figured out how to get an offense, and did a great job. Look, this is why, like you said, Steve, sports and tennis are amazing. I mean, anything can happen, and for Taylor, he's going to be heartbroken. But look, this is one of a lot of tournaments. He's just got to rebound and go on from here. And for Brandon Holt, just keep winning. Got through the qualies, and here he goes, wins his first match. Good for him. What else did you pick up? Was was Taylor okay physically? I mean, this is a, yeah. you know his his last major. He takes Rafa Nadal to five sets at Wimbledon. So this is this is a, a bit of a different. Result. Yeah, I mean, for me, as I'm watching the match, and I'm I'm sitting, I was sitting down with my neighbors, my friends last night, and I was just trying to explain to them. This is why you talk about narrow margins. It's really five to seven percent tentativeness. Okay, for someone that's ranked 13 in the world. And the other player who's ranked 300, it's just two numbers, but they're relaxed, they're confident, and it's 5 to 7% of them playing well, and all of a sudden you're in a war. That's right. all it takes. Right. And we've seen it before. I've been part of it. And that's why sports are so great. You have to figure out how to manage that stuff. But I think they both did a great job. Taylor competed incredibly well. Didn't play that well, but competed well. And like I said, just tip of the cap to Brandon. Mm -hmm. Great mm -hmm. job to just think your way through a situation like that. Well, 24 years old, Brandon said after that the Taylor's been an inspiration to him and so kind to him while he's been struggling with his injury past uh, eight months to a year. Brandon Holt moving on over Taylor Fritz as we move on. The Australian Open doubles champs playing each other for the first time. Nick Kyrgios, Tanasi Kokonakis. This followed Serena Williams on Arthur Ashe, John, and the summer of Nick just keeps rolling. Yeah, this is in keeping with our theme of potentially awkward relationship matches. These are doubles. This is the eight-seated doubles team, and now they're on opposite size than that. This could have been so complicated. It's after Serena. It's a day of upsets. It's late at night. And Nick Curious just played well when he had to. Served well, though he actually had one fewer ace. Look at this. Some nice work at the net. This is in a third set about two hours in. Keep in mind this match didn't start till after 9 p.m. But Nick did what he had to do. Look at this really subdued in victory. I suspect that's because of the opponent. But very nice first round for Nick Curious. 200th win of his career. Now 23 wins since June. That's the most on the ATP. 
How about Caroline Garcia? Most wins since June on the WTA. A couple titles. One Cincy as a qualifier. Jeannie just kept it rolling. Yes, Caroline Garcia plays her best when she's playing aggressive. So you see here the swing volley. She's moving forward, going to the net, finishing the points off. She's actually very comfortable with the net. She won the French Open doubles earlier this year with her French compatriot, Mladenovic. So there you see her moving forward again. And, you know, I've played her a few times, and when she hangs back is when she does less well. But when she's in the blue of the court and controlling, she has powerful strokes, and she can just um, control the point. 15 to 20 at the net in this match. Nine straight wins for Caroline Garcia. She's won 26 for past 30. Give it to us. There we get the airplane. Fly with Caro. That's right. Fly with Caro. How about Coco Golf? She had a long day on Arthur Ashe, but not a long match, Paul. Took care of business in 80 minutes against Leolia Jean-Jean of France. And so buttoned up, Steve. To me, it's always impressive to watch. We forget how young these players are. Teenagers still, the 12th seed. Coco's done so much so quickly. You wonder what's going to happen on a big stage. Well, what happens is she's embracing it more and more every time. A little feel on the forehand topspin lob there. The crowd's behind her. A lot of composure, but one of the things that I love most about Coco Goff is her ability to adapt, her ability to defend, and her ability to think through things under pressure. You don't see players that can do that very often, especially teenagers. And yesterday she did a wonderful job. A lot of expectation on Coco Goff. She continues to get better, and this is just one step towards her ultimate goal. She wants to be here on the last day, just like she was at Roland Garros. And if she keeps playing like this, she's going to give herself opportunities, whether it's at this major or the next one. It's going to happen. It's not uh, if. It's just a win for this wonderful player. 34 winners for Coco. Won 17 points to the net. And she knows it's her first win on Arthur Ashe. I was definitely nervous, but I think having those experiences, and I, I literally told myself last night, or maybe, I don't remember, last night, yeah, or this morning, I said, you know, I'm just going to go out there and have fun and enjoy the moment. It is nice to break the barrier, and I really didn't think about it until after the match was over, and then I walked out into the crowd, and I was like, wait, I haven't done this before. Uh, so that's why I told him I was like my first win on Ash. <laughs> And then she stayed to watch Serena play at night because, quote, eight-year-old me would want to stay and see this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Still to come, much more highlights, previews. Day one was a massive celebration for some, but a huge disappointment for others. We'll tell you which title contenders are already heading home. Annika and Bouchard, Wertheim and Weissman back on TC Live at the U.S. Open presented by Evian. Coverage of the U.S. Open begins every morning with our two-hour pregame show. ESPN carries the day session at noon and the night session at 7 p.m. Eastern. Some huge upsets on day one. I believe my good friend Jeannie Bouchard picked Simona Halep to win it all yesterday. Oh, Steve, you mentioned that. Wait, did that happen? Listen, she had won 19 of her past 22 matches. What happened against Daria Sneeger? I, I might be fired because I had such a <laughs> terrible pick. So if you guys don't see me here tomorrow, then you know why. Uh, to be honest, I had never heard of Sneeger before. <laughs> I had never heard of her, and she has a little bit of an unorthodox technique, her, especially her forehand. It's very flat, but she just hung in there, was hitting balls past Simona, and Simona was, was hanging back behind the baseline, and you know, I know that's her game to be obviously consistent, and but what I find when she does that too much is when opponents can kind of take more advantage during the point, and so um, great win for, for this young girl. 
qualifier from Ukraine, playing just her third tour-level match, gets her first ever win at a Grand Slam against Simona Halep. And that's wild. 30 unforced errors for Halep in that match. On the men's side, the four seed, Stefano Tsitsipas facing a qualifier. Daniel Galan of Columbia, Paul. Tsitsipas, most wins on tour this year, but Galan came out on fire. 11 straight. Jeannie, don't feel bad. Our fearless Great. leader, Bob Wiley, picked Tsitsipas as a favorite. And next thing we knew, Galan's up 11 0. And Bob Wiley now has a lot to answer to, just like Eugenie, with picks that did not better. work. So, anyway, we thought that Sitsi Pass, I thought that Sitsi Pass was going to come back after winning this third set. Did a nice job. He's a great competitor. And here in the fourth set, it's kept getting closer and closer. I thought Galan was going to get tight. It really got me a little nervous because I think he had seven or eight match points. Here we go. Here's number nine. It took quite some time for Galan to get through, but for Sitsipas, an injury timeout, maybe a little bit. Let's hope it's not the elbow, JW, because that's what the problem was, but a great win for Galan. Did a great job, the Colombian, getting through in four sets. What a day of crazy matches. That, that was nuts. 11-0? Oh, uh, like, yeah, but which is crazier? Which would you... That's be, a great question. That one or Simone? Halla going down. Simone's, I right? So I yeah. think I, so. I agree. I mean, but she's always said she doesn't like New York and I, doesn't like the U.S. Open. She just doesn't feel comfortable there. And so I shouldn't have picked her in the first place. It's my, it's, it's <laughs> oh, my mistake. It's okay. We all get, get some stuff wrong, you talk, Luckily, you talked to me about it because you took proprietary <laughs> ownership over it. So I said, okay, I won't pick Simone. I was then. so disappointed. You picked uh, <laughs> Rafa, too, right? Now Rafa's Rafa worried. has to win his yeah, first Rafa's round worried. today. Please. What a, like, I want to go back to what you said. It, is it not a bit of a tell to, to explain to the world how uncomfortable you are at a tournament? I mean, if I'm the opponent, I love hearing that. I, yeah, I wouldn't say that, even if that's how I felt it. I mean, aren't we taught, like, fake it till you make it? That's right. <laughs> don't, like, show your cards. So I, she just, I don't know why she would say that. I understand sometimes New York can be hectic and loud and long transportation rides to get to the site, and it, it takes a lot of your energy. But, um, you know, we yeah. all have to deal with that. Right. One lesson from last night. If you're going to lose 11 straight games, do it while Serena Williams is playing. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> will notice. <laughs> exactly. He almost came back and won. Nine match points cool. it took. Rafa, your pick to win it all on the men's side starts today. Rinky Hichikata, he is a Aussie wild card. What do you expect to see from Nadal? Well, I'm expecting a win, first of all, but I'm going to look forward to see how his ab is doing. Um, we know he hasn't played many matches recently, so I think for top players, the first round can be the trickiest for them. Usually once they get into a tournament, they have that rhythm and uh, routine and, and they get used to winning. So uh, this might be his trickiest match of the event. Mm -hmm. So I'm, uh, you know, crossing my fingers for my pick to stay alive. Yeah, the, the biggest thing I think is the injury, right? Little, you know, you just don't know one match since Wimbledon. Um, Rafa's looked good in practice all last week. He's hitting the ball extremely well. He even said so, which he doesn't say very much because he said, I'm, I'm happy with the way I'm practicing. But it's about the injury and for him, I think, match rhythm. And like Jeannie said, if he can get his teeth into the tournament, be careful because slow courts, uh, ability to defend, and uh, if memory serves me correctly, he's won here before, so he knows four times, yeah, including uh, the last time he played. Right. Um, keep an eye on the serve speed; that's pretty good sign of if the abs bothering him. I just think we we don't talk about best of five versus best of three as much. That Borna Chorich played a terrific week of tennis in Cincinnati. He was really good for about an hour against Rafa. Best of five, you can withstand an hour of hot tennis from the opponent. I think Rafa wins as well, and. 
you know, are we, are we talking about this enough? I mean, he, he could have kind of sort of a grand slam. He hasn't lost in a major yet. <laughs> That's right. That'd be incredible. Mm -hmm. uh, listen, his younger compatriot, Carlos Alcaraz, could be the first teenager to win a major since Rafa Nadal did it back in the day. What kind of challenge does Sebastian Baez present? Well, Sebastian Baez is one of the best up-and-comers, right? He dominated on the Challenger Tour last year, but this is going to be a different animal today playing Alcaraz. I actually think this court speed might suit Alcaraz better than any of the other top mm, players no, because I, it's going to give him a little bit more time to create his power. He's a great mover, so he's going to be able to hit through the court anyway, not afraid to come forward. And Alcaraz splashed onto the scene here last year. So I, I would look out for Alcaraz having a big tournament. Um, Baez, I don't think, has enough weapons to make him uncomfortable. Right. Like you said, also, especially three out of five sets, John, that's a different thing. Baez could get hot for a little bit. I just don't see it over three to five sets. Bye Bye is also a, a nice up-and-coming player. Not so much on the hard courts. Uh, his results have come almost exclusively on clay. And I think, you know, Alcaraz, he broke through here. He beat Tsitsipas uh, last year and really sort of had his U.S. Open breakthrough. I think he's got a real chance at this tournament. Carlito, 7-0, first-round matches at majors. Perhaps the best match on paper today is Naomi Osaka taking on Danielle Collins. Who's got the edge in this one? It is the best match on paper because we have a multiple slam winner versus a slam finalist and all of those combined on hard courts. So we know these girls love the hard courts. I think there's going to be a lot of big hitting from both sides. We haven't seen Danielle Collins that much recently, so I'm not sure where her level is at. Uh, she's played great over the past year. Obviously, her ranking's very high up, but, um, you know, a question mark there. And I think Naomi can, can play herself into this tournament. And I think she's had some so-so results recently, but maybe it's time that she, you know, feels good and, and plays the tennis we know she's capable of. They played in Miami. 6-2, six, 6-1 six, for Naomi Osaka. That's one of her best wins of the last 18 months or so. I, th I think you're right. I mean, I think on paper it's a great match. I think we don't know quite enough about the health of Danielle Collins. That's an X factor. Iga Sviantek, world number one. She is in action against Jasmine Paolini. 37-match win streak is, is a thing of the past. She's 4-4 four and four in her last eight matches. Does the dominance resume today? Well, Iga's my pick, so tomorrow maybe Jeannie will be able to give me a hard time. Um, but, I, look, I, I think this court speed is good for Iga. It's going to give her a little bit more time for those big, powerful ground strokes. I think she's become a little bit more vulnerable, as we've seen, but she was so hot early in the year. It's just so difficult to stay at that level. I think just a little bit of a reset button for her. Um, I'm not thinking that Paolini has enough to hurt her uh, over the whole match. Uh, I'm going to stand by my pick, and I'm yep. going to say Iga's going to get through this match today, and I think she's going to play better as the tournament goes on as well. I think you're right. And I think apart from the 37-match win streak, the two majors, she's become very reliable at majors as well. Um, you know, Wimbledon was third round, but before that, I mean, it had been years before she lost in the first week of a major. I think heavy favorite. I'm not sure the opponent has much to hurt her with. But I, Iga's an interesting case, though, because uh, – Going four and four after 37 matches without losing is uh, is a pretty jarring transition. Wait, the one last thing I've got to add. Mm. We talked about uh, Simona not being happy in New York, right? 
Iga's not happy with the tennis balls, right? We talked right. about that. And these are the same balls as Cincinnati. You really don't want to go. I give that away. You, you, you don't want to <laughs> go into a tournament feeling like that, do you, Jeannie? You need to coach them, John. You're, he's, you. He doesn't like Make it until you make it. Exactly. Um, I think Iga will, will do well. I think she'll do really well in this first-round match specifically. She's played great all year. I think calling her recent stretch a slump is a little bit harsh. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is four and four. Yeah. So, you know, she's won some matches, but everyone has those ups and downs. So I think she's just still going to be on her game. Only once in the open era has the top seed lost first round at the U.S. Open. Kanepi over Halep. Good call. So that's why you don't, right. that's why you don't Very pick. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> We've got upset predictions coming up later on the show. TC Live at the U.S. Open presented by Evian. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Grigor Dimitrov knows the NFL season starts on Thursday. Not quite Stafford or Josh Allen. Bills Rams kicking it off. Dimitrov throwing some footballs to get ready to take on Stevie Johnson today. Right now on Tennis.com, Steve Tigner with your three to see on day two of the U.S. Open. Ed McGrogan talking about all the upsets and shockers of yesterday. And Stephanie Lividay with Serena's diamond outfit details. The fashion was next level. Time now for our daily dose of Prakash Worldwide. What is going on, everyone? It's your boy, Prakash Worldwide. No Limit NYC. We are going to one of the biggest events of the entire New York summer, and that is the City Taste of Tennis. Your boy is hosting and emceeing the entire night. We're going to see Nick Kyrgios, Naomi Osaka, Garbin Muguruza, Eva Longoria, everyone you could possibly imagine. And I'm taking you guys with me top to tail. Let's do this. Something about that New York energy make you feel like you're walking to a soundtrack or something like that. Thank you, sir. Hey, you're welcome. Let's do this. All right, let's get this taste of tennis cracking. We have a little cocktail here. What do we have, sir? Signature drink of Cipriani. Let's do it. Let's do it. Signature drink of Cipriani. My man. Cheers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Y'all seen Jazzy Jeff in the Fresh Prince. Y'all seen Diddy and Mace. This is like something y'all ain't never seen before. Prakash Worldwide and DJ Madly. Ladies and gentlemen, please make some noise for Prakash Arbitrage. Good evening. How is everyone feeling? Can I get a little noise tonight? It is a very special evening. Let me hear you guys. Who's ready to have the best taste of tennis we have had in the last 25 years. Let me hear you guys. Eva Longoria, Garbin Mukaruta are going to be making some tequila cocktails over there. Hopefully you guys will have a few of those, get a little bit more rowdy, because that's what we're doing tonight. Garbin, are you going heavy with the pour or light? Garbin, that, that is exceptional. That's so good. What, what are we toasting to? To be kind and uh, enjoy tennis. I love that. I love that. Cheers. Okay. Okay. We are midway through the taste right now. About to go up for the main event. King Kyrgios, Queen Osaka going after each other in a plant-based cooking competition. Let's see how this whole thing goes down. Yeah. 
Naomi cut those peppers up good, but I gotta check out Nick's station over there. That looks like one of my Saturday cheat meals. Looks beautiful over there, I gotta say. Oh yeah, that's the stuff. That is the stuff, Cedric, that is the stuff. Everyone's feeling pretty confident right now. Naomi's feeling confident about her side. Nick is feeling confident. It is unbelievable, and that dish is sensational. Sensational. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it might even be better than its first serve. <laughs> Taste of Tennis is always a good time. The shots were flowing in NYC. Reminder, the newly enhanced USOpenShop.org is the official shop for the 2022 US Open merchandise. Get US Open gear for the whole family. Check out a variety of one-of-a-kind US Open accessories. Visit USOpenShop.org today. Coming up next, upset predictions. Who are the folks picking? TC Live at the US Open is brought to you in part by Cadillac. Be iconic. Welcome back. We are just minutes away from day two at the U.S. Open. People, stars in the stands. There's Gail King. The great job on court with Serena Williams last night. And then we had our former president, Bill Clinton, in the house. This is him standing. He was sitting next to Dr. Ruth. Had some, some nice conversations, it seemed like. All of the stars were out to see Serena last night. Taking a look at our featured matches on day two. Some former champions, some major champions, of course, Rafa Nadal, Carlos Alcaraz, Venus Williams. See if she follows up what Serena did on Arthur Ashe Stadium. Can't wait for them to play doubles together. And then Naomi Osaka, two-time champ, taking on Danielle Collins. But it is time for our upset winners. There were a lot of upsets on day one. Paul, who is your upset pick for day two? Well, I went with uh, Mr. Stevie Johnson mm -hmm. over Grigor Dimitrov. Okay, you didn't like the football warm-up. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I'm just stop. feeling it for Stevie. I think, you know, ever since I saw him with family yesterday, getting out of the mm. car all happy, I think he's going to play some good tennis. And I think in these conditions, he's going to be rough to beat. Little Emma's going to see an upset. Jeannie, yep. who do you have? So I'm picking Cornet over Raducanu. I know we talked about it earlier in the show. I just think it'll be... Tough for Emma to be here and defend, and I do think Cornette is just a really good competitor on the court, and you never want to see her name in the draw. She's going to, like, find solutions till the very end, and she has been known to pull off some ups upsets as well, so I'm going to bank on that. Picking against the Canadian-born player, are you? Oh. <laughs> oh my. You know what? I, I have a non-upset pick. Um, Wait a second. He's the, the, changing the rules. Yeah. Andrea Pe stick with me here because okay. I want to give someone their props. Uh, Andrea Pekovic, who has been a lovely player, veteran who turns 35 in a few days, she's announced that she's going to call it quits and retire soon after this event, maybe the end of the year. There's been another retirement announcement that's kind of taken over, uh, but other players are calling this their last major as well. Petkovic, one of them, she plays Belinda Bencic in what could be her last match, certainly at a major. This is uh, a, a woman of letters, a, a great writer, a favorite of the press room, and uh, 35 years old, been a great career for her. Is she going to win? No. No. <laughs> right, sorry. That's why it's a all that. I'm going to make up. Huska, I'm making up my own segments tomorrow. I'm going with Peyton Stearns, NCAA champ, oh. against Ekaterina Alexandrova. I think. Interesting. Okay. She's going to take it down. Uh, Venus Williams is in action. Paul, uh, 
We saw what Serena did last night. Venus is on ash. She's a two-time champion. What, what are you going to see from her? Don't ever bet against great. You never know. I mean, every time she steps on the court, for me, it's still just a treat. I mean, she loves the game so much. The weapons are down a little bit. The forehand's a little bit shaky still. The serve speed's down. But you know what, guys? I'm going to sit back and just enjoy it and watch and hope she plays some great tennis. I love that. I agree. We should just enjoy the fact that she's still out here playing. I admire her love for the game. She goes and plays not only the slams, she, she goes out and plays small events as well. And so I just uh, want to enjoy her, her game. Her weapons are maybe not what they used to be, but you can never count Venus Williams out. Her last major, not U.S. Open, her last major, 2008. 14 years and she's still out here. She's found pleasure competing. If only there were inspiration for how a Former champion, north of age 40, could still play well on the big court. <laughs> Rewind the clock about 12 hours, because uh, now it's Venus' turn to do what Serena did. You say north of age 40. Now, Andy Roddick is part of that category. Happy Andy birthday Roddick. to our guy, Andy Roddick. Four years old. Turning the big 4-0. I, I miss Andy. That. Where is he? He's I don't believe He's it. at home, <laughs> where he always is. <laughs> By the way, Vic Satius, happy birthday, turning 99. Happy wow. birthday, Vic. Hall of Famer. Oldest living Grand Slam champion. Big birthday day. Cannot wait for day two. A reminder, you can catch TC Live presented by Evian every morning, 9 a.m. Eastern. Next up, it's our salute to Serena Williams. The 2015 Roland Garros final. Serena taking on Lucy Safarova. For Jeannie, Paul, and John and our entire team, I'm Steve. Thanks for watching TC Live. We'll see you tomorrow morning.